So, you know, when Pastor Harold goes out of town and he says, you pick your own topic. Okay, that paralyzes me a little bit. And Pastor Jeff was gracious enough to give me some suggestions. Would you like to mention those? No, you would not. Okay. That takes care of that, doesn't it? Shortens that sermon just a little bit. Okay. Turner Burn. <laughs> that was one of them. Turner Burn, the choice is yours. Um, I know it's hard, isn't it? It's hard to keep it together when you've got uh, Pastor Jeff here. Um, so I did go with who cares, but because I, I thought about how much God cares for us. And I think it's important to um, continue to remind ourselves of how much we are loved. So here are these words from the Gospel of Luke. A legal expert stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to gain eternal life? And Jesus replied, it is written in the law. How do you interpret it? And he responded, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But the legal expert wanted to prove that he was right. So he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He encountered thieves who stripped him naked, beat him up, and left him near death. Now it just so happened that a priest was going down the same road. And when he saw the injured man, he crossed over to the other side of the road and went on his way. Likewise, a Levite came by that spot, saw the injured man, and crossed over to the other side of the road and went on his way. A Samaritan who was on a journey came to where the man was, but when he saw him, he, had, he was moved with compassion. And the Samaritan went to him and bandaged his wounds, tending him with oil and wine. Then he placed the wounded man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took two full days' worth of wages and gave them to the innkeeper. And he said, take care of him, and when I return, I will pay you back for any additional costs. What do you think? Which one of these three was a neighbor to the man who encountered thieves? And the legal expert said, the one who demonstrated mercy toward him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I love this story. I know we've all probably heard it and seen it several times over our life. We probably have vivid pictures. I don't know about you, but I had one of those illustrated children's Bibles, the big ones, and I remember seeing the picture so vividly of the injured man and people walking by. And that is, I think, what the core of this story is how we tend to pass by people. Within our context here in the villages, we probably don't see someone on the side of the road who's been injured. But I would bet we have all been in settings where we have been in a place where someone needed help or was injured that moved us and we didn't either know what to do or we did help. So what would you do if you saw someone on the side of the road? What would I do? 
Well, I have to make a confession. It's very unnerving to me. Confrontation kind of gets a little bit um, scary. And sometimes I get just petrified and I don't know how to go forward. And I don't mind telling on myself because it does keep me a bit accountable. But I'll tell you recently, one of our neighbors on our street confronted me and had me trapped in my car. So I was in my seat and she was between me, the door and the seat. Now this person is a known challenge in our neighborhood. Um, This wasn't my first exposure with the individual. And I probably know a little too much about her story. And so that probably put me already on the defense. Now she, Sean goes, just tell him what happened. Just tell him. And I'm going, okay, fine. Well, she wanted me to take her debit card and go put money on it. Now, A, I'm not touching anybody's credit card, debit card, nothing. Mm-mm. That, that's liability I'm not stepping into. So I did tell her, I said, I'm sorry. I, I, I can't do that. And so she walked off and called me a couple of names, including un-Christ-like. And she, she had already said, I know you're a pastor. So those two things and me were just going, It made me really upset. I tend to take those things and I replay them a hundred times and I pick at them and I wear it out and I go, okay, God, I didn't do right. What should I have done? I'm not touching her debit card, God. I'm not touching her debit card. Uh, you know, Sean was like, you have to let that go, Ellen. She, you can't reason with this person. But still, in my mind, what could I have done differently to my neighbor? What could I have done differently? Because I still remember every detail, and it's been several months. So it bothered me enough to say, what am I doing wrong? I'm really, I was really disappointed in myself. I felt like the priest or the Levite. Now I realize I'm a work in progress. We're all works in progress. Some of us are further on our journey than others. And truthfully, I envy people who can handle situations like that with grace and with ease. Because I can't. When I was thinking about this message, I realized we've all, all been in the shoes of the priest of the Levite, and also the Samaritan. We may have even been the injured person on the road. The key to that story is the Samaritan took compassion on the man. And in those days, the Samaritans were not people you associated with. That was that kind of uh, tribal restriction But there are still biases today that we deal with in our world. Some of you know that my, one of my greatest childhood heroes was Mr. Rogers. I've talked about Mr. Rogers before. 
I love him. I did not realize when I was a child how important he was to my upbringing. Actually, I thought he was a square who talked through weird puppets. Today, I'm like, I learned a lot from Daniel Tiger. I learned a lot from Mr. Rogers in teaching me how to love one another and be kind to one another. In 1969, Fred Rogers made a groundbreaking episode of his children's program during the Civil Rights Challenges by having Officer Clemens come and share some cool water in a kiddie pool. Here's a picture of Fred Rogers and Officer Clemens. Do y'all remember this at all? It was so important. At the time, I had no clue how important it really was. But what I want you to hear is the response of the man who played Officer Clemens. His name is Francois Clemens. Years later, when he was interviewed about his time with Mr. Rogers. Now, I'll, uh, true confession, I cried when I watched that. Because Officer Clemens, Francois Clemens, he was an inspiring opera singer in the Pittsburgh area. And he would often sing on the show with Mr. Rogers, but what struck me is how he said he felt when Mr. Rogers looked at him. And he saw him as a person, as an individual. Had nothing to do with any bias or racial differences, nothing. He saw him as a person. And he saw the gifts that he had. And he loved him. How different our world would be if we all looked at people with the eyes of Jesus Christ. I try very hard to look at people and see their smiles and see their eyes. I've not always been good at that. I confess I am a work in progress. God has had to work hard on me. And some days I know he shakes his head and goes, oh, Ellen, you're a mess. But some days I know he says, you did okay. Hey, you did okay. We have people in our own areas that do not know the love of Jesus. Next door to us, in our next village, in the next town, whatever, there's a lot of love that we need to be showing like the Good Samaritan. So who cares? Who cares? God cares. And we should too because we are his created. And each and every one that walks on this earth is created by God, our Lord God Almighty, Jehovah. And that includes the people who scare us, the ones who challenge us, the ones who make us uncomfortable, the ones who are the Samaritans, the ones who are the Levites and the priests, and those who are the Pharisees and the Sadducees. We are called to love them. And we're supposed to look for Jesus in each person. 
I was reminded of this beautiful verse, and you saw some of it in the intro video from Psalm 8, one of my favorite psalms. But it says, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you would care for them. Human beings that you would care for them. So who cares for you? God does. Who cares for you? Say it with me. God does. Who cares for you? Amen. And because God cares for you and you and you and you and everybody in this room and every single person on this planet because he created us in his image. One of the things I love about the United Methodist Church is our founder, John Wesley. John made it pretty clear cut for us to follow. He set pretty clear guidelines, just like Jesus. And somehow we continue to flail and flop around, and we, don't, we still make mistakes, me and my neighbor, because we try to do things our way, because we do know better, right? Yeah, we do. John wrote a tiny little book called The Character of a Methodist in 1742. And what he meant by this is what is the good foundation of who you are and what you believe? Who you are and what you believe. Truly, as people who follow Jesus Christ, we have foundational truths that define our character. And these distinguishing marks establish the person or a group on the right foot and give us a lifetime of following Jesus Christ. And I go back to this book all the time because you see how small it is? I can manage this. But it is, it's a tiny little book and he gives us five marks. I'm only going to tell you about the first mark because I almost think we could call it quits at the first mark. A Methodist loves God. So Methodist loves God. It's based on the core truths we just heard about loving God with everything we are and loving our neighbor. But what Wesley was really diving into is this. God loves us first, and we receive that, and in turn, we love God. And it's because God loves us and we love God that allows us to love other people those who are in the world, those who are in our communities, and those who are in our inner circle. That's our song, people. That's our song. Angie wrote that for us, for our vision. That's ours. Loving our world and those in it is about how do we share that love? How do we share our love with people that are far away? We pray for them. Like we pray for our family in the Ukraine. Many of you have these little uh, rubber wristbands that reminds us to pray for our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine. That's how we reach the world by our prayers and our presence and our gifts and our service and our witness can go worldwide with prayer, with support, 
through United Methodist Committee on Relief. That is one of my absolute favorite things about our church is we have a huge global committee that is the first responder in any situation. UMCOR, I know you're familiar with it. But they are in the Ukraine helping. They're the ones getting dirty and helping people. They're the same people that go to tornado disaster sites or hurricane disaster sites. As someone who lived through the Hurricane Katrina, I can promise you UMCOR was there first. UMCOR was there first. And that makes me proud because we have a huge global arm that gets out with the people in need. We send teams of trained volunteers to disaster zones every year. Yes, from New Covenant. Yes, from the Florida Conference. And yes, from United Methodists around the world. We have other ways we can show our love and care for our brothers and sisters in Christ. 1 John 4.19 lets us know that we received God's love first. And we love in return everything we are and we have because it comes from the source of God. Lord God Almighty. We do it every day and to everyone we show we care. So who cares? God cares. You know, loving the neighbors in our community might look a little differently for instance, one of our own, Pam Brown, started beds and blankets a few years ago because there was a crisis in surrounding areas of children who did not have a bed. Can you imagine sleeping on the floor? Or maybe in a twin bed with two or three other siblings? How blessed we are. We are so abundantly blessed. But she started this ministry. She felt a call and a passion for this to provide a bed and bedding and a book for each child who does not have their own. It gives them their own space, their own space. And if that's a ministry that pulls on your heart, I would encourage you to talk to Pam. A few years ago, Pastor Harold had a meeting with some leaders and asked how we could start change in some of the areas around us that have been stricken with poverty. The outcome was the mentor-mentee program at Wildwood Middle High School. We have about 60 mentors that spend five years with this child coming up from eighth grade to when they graduate. And there's always a need for more mentors. The life impact that a mentor can make on one of these children helps them to graduate. And that might not be the case in many situations. They, they encourage them. They pray for them. They support them with love and care. And when they graduate, they get a scholarship from us so that they can get off on the right foot in the next season of life, trying to break some of the patterns that life can put on us. Another way to be able to love and care for one another is our Changing Hearts initiative. 
And that's working to help us all become more loving and compassionate to others, especially those that may be different. We're all different. We all have differences. But there's no reason we can't love one another and care for one another as Jesus commanded. I would love to connect you with my friend Brenda Boyd and let you get involved in talking and having conversations because we can love all of our brothers and sisters if we allow God to lead us to that. If we love our neighbors around the world, we love our neighbors around us, what does that leave? We love those in our inner circle. And that's going to look different for everybody, right? Because some of us, it's our our spouse and our family of origin. Or for some of us, it could be the family you create. It could be your small group. And we hope it is your small group. It's just one of the many benefits of being in a group with others because you pray you support, you encourage, you fellowship. And if you thought that was a commercial for your small, for small groups, it was. <laughs> Let me help you. Sherry can help you find a group to be a part of. So your life can be wrapped around this inner circle that walks with you. Let me tell you a little bit about my inner circle. My parents have been gone for a long time. So my family of origin is small. It's a lot of pressure on Sean. (laughs) But many of you know Bob and Ann McBain that are in the choir. They're members here. They are our family. They've been our family for almost 25 years. Some of you may have encountered our son Trevor, And y'all can throw that picture up. It'll be fine. Bob and Ann. Trevor's there on the right. He is our adopted son. He works in Orlando for the NBC affiliate. And our best friends in the whole world are here singing with us today, which is Fran and Chuck Ray. And I do believe music makes a change in how your friends come together. My other friend that is Sarah Campbell, who's, um, you know, pastors need pastors. And so Sarah is a pastor here in the Florida Conference. And Lord, that girl has had to take care of me. But I'm so grateful for her. What a blessing. We all need people who are going to be that source of unconditional love that hold us together in that circle. Now, all of them, especially these two over here, will say exactly what they think and not mince a word. Am I right, Francis? Yes. But it comes from deep in her heart. We all need people who will shoot straight with us. In recent months, we have lost one of our a little bit extended inner circle, been to colorectal cancer. 
And Sean and I and Chuck and Fran, we went to the service and listening to them sing and play together, it was like they had not missed a day. Your people are important to you. I grieved Ben deeply, even though I hadn't talked to him in a, in a while, because it made me realize how important your inner circle is to hold you together. How important it is that you have people to show God's love to and they receive it and in turn show it to you. And it's important because they may not always be with us. But they will always be a part of us. And they leave an imprint on our hearts forever. But nothing changes the love and the care that we in our inner circle have for each other. And you and your inner circles and you and your small groups. That love is irreplaceable. So who cares for me? My inner circle does. God does through them. So who cares for you, church? God does.